Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones, and I hope and pray that this quiet talk will be an encouragement to your faith. Most Christians like talking and hearing about the promises of God. Some people have counted up the number of promises in the Bible. I don't know if they include promises like God made to Sarah about having a child. Not sure how many 90-year-old women would want to claim that one. But anyway, the Bible is obviously full of God's gracious promises. For example, in Hebrews 13, 5, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Philippians 4.19 reads, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. There are many, many more. Now, there are admittedly some promises in the Bible that were for certain individuals, as I alluded to above the promise to Sarah that she would have a baby when she was 90 years old was for her. It was not for every woman on the planet. Repeatedly in the book of Genesis, God promised that he would give the land of Canaan to the descendants of Abraham. As with many such promises, it didn't happen right away. As a matter of fact, the fulfillment of this promise was delayed for over 400 years. Obviously, the one to whom the promise was first made, Abraham, was long dead when it was fulfilled. But that was okay. The promise to Abraham was that his descendants would inherit the land, not Abraham himself. Most of us nowadays wouldn't get nearly excited or nearly as excited about a promise that won't come true till we're long dead, but Abraham and the people of his day looked at the world a lot differently than we do. So let's talk about the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. Just to review, God told Abraham in Genesis 12 to leave his home and go to a place that God would show him later. When he got to Canaan, he traveled through the country there, and then God appeared to him and said, To your offspring I will give this land. But as we said, Abraham died without seeing this promise fulfilled. But he believed in it. He died with faith in God's promise. But many years later, the day came when the promise was going to be fulfilled. Abraham's descendants were actually going to take over what was then called the land of Canaan. At this time, Moses was in charge of Israel. They were camped just on the border of the promised land. Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan to sort of scope it out to see the lay of the land. There was one spy for each of the 12 tribes. When they went into Canaan, these 12 men saw a very fruitful land. When they came back, they told Moses and the people that the land flows with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes so large that it had to be carried on a pole between two men. But then they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. 
All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. By the way, the Nephilim were giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They said, we can't take this land. God promised Abraham there's giants there. We're scared. At this point, let me just make a passing observation that a lot of Christians today need to hear and understand, and it's this. The majority is not always right. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say the majority is usually wrong. Of the 12 spies sent into Canaan, 10 of them voted not to go in and take the land. Only two said the nation should enter the promised land and receive the promise of God. The no's had an overwhelming majority, and they were dead wrong. Following the majority in this situation brought death and defeat on the whole nation. Unfortunately, most people, it seems, don't possess the moral courage to go against the tide. It's not easy being ridiculed by the majority. When the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb, made the case for trusting God and entering the land, the response of the Israelites was to propose stoning them to death. If you're not up for being rejected by the majority, then maybe this Jesus thing is not for you. So did these giants in the land indicate that God's promise was no good? Not at all. The promise was good. It's just that there will always be a test. God wants to know if we really believe him. Peter wrote to Christians who were facing severe testing. They were suffering for their faith. He said to them that although they were currently being grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of their faith, which is much more precious and valuable than gold, though tested by fire, would result in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is your faith genuine? You won't know until it is tested by fire. Peter compares a tested faith to pure gold. Gold is not pure in the beginning when it first comes out of the ground. It is mixed with lesser minerals. To purify gold, it must be put into a very hot fire. The fire melts the gold and burns away the impurities, the things that are not of value. But the result is pure, beautiful gold. The result of testing is pure faith. And Hebrews tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your faith is the most precious thing you have as a believer in Christ. Like most things in life, it all boils down to a simple choice. It is a choice between fear and faith. The Israelites who feared, who didn't believe the promise of God, died in the desert. They never got to take possession 
of the promised land. The result of fear is barrenness and death. The result of faith is fruitfulness and life. God offered the Israelites a fruitful land. In his love for them, he wanted them to enjoy this land. But because they didn't believe, their bones were bleached out in the burning sun of the desert. My friend, God wants your life to be fruitful. He wants to bless you, but fear will block that fruitfulness and blessing. Israel viewed the test of capturing the land of Canaan through completely human eyes. They compared themselves to the giants who live there. They're bigger than us, so we can't win. They should have compared the giants to the mighty power of God. These were the same people who had seen God part the Red Sea delivering them, and then wiping out the Egyptian army. There is no obstacle that is bigger than God. The only question is whether we believe him. Are we willing to step out in faith, trusting God's power and not our own human strength? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Too many Christians look at the world before us or the work before us in totally human terms. What kind of human or physical or financial resources do we have? They never take God into account. What about you? Are you focused on your human weakness or the almighty power of God? The challenge of God is clear. Here it is from Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Heavenly Father, I believe there is nothing too hard for you. I believe, oh God, that you are searching today throughout this world for somebody who will take you at your word, who will act upon your word, who will step out in faith and do great exploits for the kingdom. I pray for my listeners today that you will just increase their faith, strengthen their faith, help them to see through the spoken word of God that God keeps his promises that even in the face of testing and trials, God is there. God is faithful, and God keeps his word. Bless your word to our hearts today in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friend, please contact me at father.danjones at outlook.com. I was so encouraged today by an email from a listener with a question about what I was talking about, and I was so pleased to answer that question and invite further discussion if uh, desired. So you can contact me if you'd like at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you richly.